0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Lunar Crush Live. Today, we've got Brad Cam from Unstoppable Domains. What's up, Brad? How's
1: it going? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course, man. Uh, just a disclaimer for everyone. Just a reminder, uh, You know, we do not take payments for our live streams. We bring on fun people, cool projects that are building and have dedicated their careers to the space. Um, you know, Make sure you get in there, ask some questions for Brad if you've got anything, and then hit that subscribe button um and then we'll get after it but brad man thank you so much for being here we always like to start with where are you in the world and what's it like there today
1: uh i am in san francisco it is sunny and warm
0: sunny and warm well wow. Wow. shouldn't it be like 49 degrees with like overcast like downtown or maybe you're a little bit out uh
1: a few hours from now probably because <laughs> when the fog when the fog rolls in then it uh then it drops like 30 degrees it also depends on what neighborhood you're in it's like the strangest city in the world weather-wise um but where i'm at it's nice and warm and sunny
0: that's awesome i was just up there a couple couple weekends ago um biking through the city with my buddy and it was like depending on where you are at you were either like just desperately trying to get this like shell off because you were too hot or like putting it back on because you were too cold but it's just it's such an interesting city in the summertime but it's like you can drive an hour and be in like 14 different climates i feel
1: it's pretty wild and i still remember maybe a week after i moved or a few weeks after i moved to the city uh and it was like 88 degrees in the mission and i had shorts on and someone invited me to the beach and i was like well, that's three <laughs> miles away like that's probably going to be the same climate that's how cities tend to work and i got there and it was 30 degrees colder and i just wound up having to shiver for a few hours by the fire it was uh it was it was a good uh it was a good onboarding
2: that's epic and I even mean, yeah. um i'm going to forgive you for the uh, dodgers losing on sunday Giants. <laughs> dodgers yes the dodgers and giants played on sunday so it was oh, oh sorry
1: I, I only know crypto news uh, <laughs> if somebody like if somebody asks you know like what's going on in the world or whatever i'll probably be able to answer in the crypto sense but not necessarily in the broader uh broader cnn headline sense
0: love it love it yeah it's so true it's, it's like funny. you know we get so deep into the space and like the news and everyone know and even like something like you know my friends that are you know they're they're kind of into the space and because they know that i'm into it but then they'll they'll be like what's happening here and like i feel like maybe like a year or two ago like maybe i wouldn't know like every single little thing but now it's to the point where it's like like almost any news they have i'm like yeah like i already yeah i read through that we've already like the entire crypto space has already like disseminated that information and already decided like where to move next it was like when elon had his like first you know tweet or whatever that happened and like people were still using clubhouse before like twitter spaces just destroyed it um and like the entire community got onto like clubhouse They're like what do we do about this and it was like all happening like in the open like just trying to figure out how to manage it and then it was like boom we were on to like the narrative already and it was like then it took like three months for that to cycle through like the rest of the the rest of like the world with, like just regular news hmm so Brad, tell us, um, you know, I want to hear your story a little bit, you know, how you got involved, you know, in the space, like, you know, why are you working on this? And then, you know, I'm sure you'll kind of level that into like, what is Unstoppable Domains and what do you guys do?
1: Sure. Uh, so I've been, I guess I've been an entrepreneur since, uh, since I was in college, uh, I was starting real estate related companies uh, in Atlanta, I uh, had one company kind of uh, flop and decided to go to grad school for a very short period of time in D.C. to study politics of all things. Wow. Uh, And uh, after about four months, I actually really enjoyed it. But after about four, maybe six months, I realized that uh, uh, no change was going to be happening there. And I think just kind of maybe got like a little bit um, cynical or pessimistic about uh, how the world could improve outside of maybe some stuff happening on the edges in tech. So this was like my trigger. I needed to get out to San Francisco. I need to go start working on startups. Um, so I abandoned the, the master's degree, moved to San Francisco, uh, started working on a company called Talkable. It's marketing tech, nothing to do with crypto. Uh, but I moved into this, uh, into this uh, hacker house called 20 Mission uh, in the Mission District in San Francisco. And it was an early uh, crypto hub. Like the founder started the second Bitcoin exchange in the US. Didn't last very long. It was shut down pretty quickly afterwards. Um, but uh, I think this was before Coinbase even. Uh, and there were some very early Bitcoin meetups in the building. Vitalik actually gave a talk in the courtyard before Ethereum went live. Uh, essentially everybody that I met and knew, uh, in San Francisco was, a uh, was, a what was, a was pretty deep down the crypto rabbit hole. And this was like 2013,
0: I guess, Dang, that's early
1: 2013. And so I read the white paper then, um, started buying, was an enthusiast, was going to events and stuff like that. Was, the, the scene was really active uh, in San Francisco, uh, during that time, it was a really small, small community, but, uh, but super active. And I kind of always knew I would do something in the space, but didn't know exactly what I'm not a developer. Uh, a lot of the time at that time, it was mostly around protocol development. And then the companies that were being formed were really just, uh, exchanges and exchanges are awesome, super valuable, super important. Uh, but they're kind of like, they're kind of almost like, like traditional finance companies with all this, like, they're like banks with all this like heavy compliance and stuff like that. So that never appealed to me as an entrepreneur. I never thought to myself, "I want to go work on a heavily, heavily regulated, compliance-based company." Um, so I just didn't really see like where I would kind of fit into the fit into the world. Uh, and then fast forward a few years, then there's uh, Ethereum comes out, and then 2017-ish, I would say, maybe end of 2016 was when you started to kind of see uh, like real like companies, like real apps and stuff being being built on top. And then I was like, okay, now now I get it. Like now this is this is a form factor that I can get my head around. I understand and I'm, I'm excited about. So then then it was like a lot clearer. Okay, now it's kind of ready for for you know people like me that maybe would focus on like go to market, for example. Um, so a good friend of mine co-founded or founded uh, Unstoppable Domains uh, in January of 2018. Uh, I stepped back to the board of my previous company pretty soon after that. And um, yeah, the rest is history.
0: You just said, not, this is it. I'm going for it. It is kind of interesting to think about like everyone's everyone always talks about, you know, San Francisco and they're like, oh, now like innovation happens anywhere. Innovation, you know, it's going doesn't matter where you're at, but it's just interesting to hear like, you know, at this early hacker house, you know, it was like, you know, like that could have been like one of the earlier spots and like Vitalik coming to like visit and have like a talk there. It's like there's still so much that happens in San Francisco and like the Bay Area that like it's not it's not going away.
1: Community is super important, especially in person community, because it, it impacts your ideas, it impacts your access. So, like in almost every industry, you see this kind of like you, know, you see the, these places where the you know, industry leaders are hanging out together. And, like, that's like a little insider's club, so to speak. Every industry has that, crypto has it too. I think crypto is better than most because it's really easy to stumble your way. It's going from an outsider to an insider is really just you know, six months of learning and tweeting yep. Yep. and out to people like it's so easy to get in, but there is still an insider insiders club and they do hang out in person at various places and uh, you'll learn a ton if you hang out with them, like you really will. Like seeing tech uh, and seeing you know crypto from the outside, it's a little hard to contextualize exactly what's going on. I remember when I first got to San Francisco, I thought VCs knew what they were talking about. Because I was just coming from the outside world, and I'm listening. And there are all these thought leaders, and they're publishing all yeah. this stuff. And I get to San Francisco, and I realize it's all marketing. And actually, <laughs> the founders that know what's going on, but they're not as loud. Um, but it's hard to suss all that stuff out when you're uh, when you're too far from it.
0: Yeah, it's a good point, though. Just getting into the industry. I mean, even when we were starting too, it was like you know. I remember it was like very early on, like it was like a Bitcoin. I think it was 2019. Um, where like, I went to one of your guys' meetups just real quick. And there was like a couple of folks there. Um, and then like, you know, sure enough, like I just went to crypto Mondays here in Los Angeles, like a week ago. And, you know, I just was standing next to a random founder and didn't know. And like the last person that we had like both spoke to in telegram ended up being like the same person. He was building like this really cool, like little wallet on like Luna and Terra, And I'm like, how small is this? You know, it's like, you just got to dedicate. Cause I think it's like people realize that once you have jumped head first and you're really into the space, then it's like, you're just immediately accepted because it means that you kind of have bought out, bought off on like what this is all about.
1: I totally agree. And I think that's the, that's the best part about this insiders club versus others is that uh, it really is like, that really is it. Like you, if you join full time, like if, like that's really it, like that's really the only (laughs) qualification is that like, This is what you're spending your time on and maybe maybe even that is a a loose rule maybe maybe it can still be part-time and you can be in the club i think it's pretty easy to access um but yeah right now ever since maybe ever since june uh the crypto events and things like that that are happening in san francisco are awesome really Everything is like overflow. Like every, you know, like if there's there's forty spots, there's eighty people. Like everything is just being so well attended. Probably because everybody just wants to hang out. They just haven't seen each, seen each other. In so, long. <laughs> um, so there's just that that hunger. But it's pretty it's pretty vibrant right now. It's pretty uh, it's pretty exhilarating.
2: Awesome. What, what kind of uh, what kind of things are you you seeing them build when you go to these events?
1: Uh, well, so it kind of depends on the depends on the quarter, of course. Um, so I would say that. Uh, maybe we're in the DAO phase. Uh, So there's a lot of DAO startups. There's a lot of like DAO, like service providers trying to help you start your own DAO. Um, That seems like a pretty popular, uh, pretty popular thing right now. I would say if we were talking three months ago, I probably would have said uh, NFT platforms. Um, You know, there'd be, you know, new marketplaces and things like that. Not to say that there isn't a ton of NFT startups. It's probably... Numerically, there's probably more, Um, but maybe the buzzier thing right now would be uh, DAOs.
2: Interesting. Are those DAOs focused on anything specific? Like, are they building, like, what within them?
1: Uh, So broad. But um, I I think it's mostly about tools and technology to more easily launch DAOs of multiple types. Some are these, like, you know, like, investment vehicles trying to do, like, VC stuff. Some are kind of like trying to do compliance for like I guess more like these like non community DAOs. I guess it's really about the tool sets, maybe nonprofit versus for-profit. I don't know if that's the right way to divide the market, but that seems like those two groups at least would need some different stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's super broad. There's a lot of different a lot of different angles being taken there, um, but those are the two biggest buckets I've seen.
2: Super interesting. Yeah, I feel like with DAOs, it's it's you
0: know, we're on some sort of cusp with that. It's like, it's something that obviously people have been working on. It's been around like, but I feel like it's, it's hard to identify like where and when, especially like if you're like, I kind of think about like shapeshift, right. And like, what, like Eric Boris is doing with like, Hey, we've been a centralized company for seven years and now, you know, we're going to go decentralize. Right. And then how do you do that? How do you open source your, your code now, right? After being centralized with security and like bringing on the right people and how do we migrate, like our internal slack to an external discord. Right. And how do we incentivize It's like, there's like a, it's a long process even just to do that. Right. So it's like, I think, but I feel like that's like an Epic application of that where it's like, okay, it's like, you've built this thing and then you just launch it to the community once it's stable. Right. And it's like, you know, it's not, it's not the same thing as Bitcoin, but yes, Bitcoin was just like one person, then two, then three, then like it kind of grows. And I feel like that's, you know, Maybe it's like I don't know, maybe you can start fully decentralized from the start, but it's like you're still, you know, you still have to get users, you still have to get people onboarded. And so it's like I think we're gonna see this, see this continue to grow. But I'm I'm very interested interested to see what the business models are and how people are kind of getting this out there because I think there's there's a lot that can change when it comes to like, you know, how to grow that platform, right? It's like who's in charge. It's like when you have when you launch a token and you're already a project and something's out there, people have some value there and then they grow it the community grows it. But if you don't have that from the start, what do you do?
1: Yeah, and it's it's been floating around for a while. I mean, I think that even the pitch, the initial pitch for Ethereum during its ICO, uh, one of the stories that was being told at the time was we should decentralize Uber. Uh, and we can create like a DAO version of Uber. I'm not even sure if the term DAO existed yet, but yeah. that was like one of the, you know, when people were talking about use cases, that was probably like one of the top three that was being brought up uh, even before Ethereum launched, so the 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 it's been bubbling up for quite a while, and now it just hasn't you know it hasn't hit its stride yet. There's not like a ton of like really awesome DAOs that we would be uh, that we'd be driving our friends to uh, yet that have kind of mainstream ish appeal. There's like very like community oriented ones. I don't know. It's actually going quite well. It's hard to, you know, it's more yeah. just maybe it hasn't hit the zeitgeist yet, you know, because NFTs had to build for years before all of a sudden they're on New York Times, you know, it was yeah. like that community was buzzing, like going back to uh, NFT NYC, which is like the you know the NFT community event uh, that's been going on for many years. And like in 2019, that place was packed and it was buzzing and like crypto markets were like at the bottom. But like, <laughs> that was such an excited vibrant community there were hundreds of different things going on uh, it was so clear that that was like a that was like a juggernaut that was building uh in the background uh i wasn't at the equivalent of, of some of those DeFi events but i'll bet it was similar uh it was similar in the DeFi world i mean you know going back to you know maker in 2016. so like there had been many years of building uh before that thing finally that narrative finally kind of took over and I, I would probably, I would say we probably have something similar going on with DAOs.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great example. Um, you know, because in the, it's like the insiders in the space and the people that are here, it's like, if that's on fire with the people that are here, like, obviously that's going to translate, you know, to the open market, maybe a little bit more And like NFTs. It just, you know, the fact that that's probably the first way that people are starting to get into the cryptocurrency market today, I think is, it's just a much more fun way. Than like, hey, buy buy your first Bitcoin, you know, which is great. Like, hey, we're onboarding people, but it's way cooler to say like, hey, buy like this thing with Top Shot or buy something that you can collect that you like that's like, you know, important to you that you're passionate about. So it's just a more fun way, I think, to get people in. Yeah. So, Brad, I, wanted, I want you to just give us like, what is the, like, you know, what's the elevator pitch for Unstoppable Domains? Like, what do you guys do?
1: Sure. So uh, we build domains that are NFTs. Uh, They are stored by the user inside of your crypto wallet, just like any other NFT. Very different than a traditional domain. Uh, But the big idea here is that we think that users should control their identity online. And so this is kind of like your decentralized username. I have brad.crypto. I can use it to display my website content, but I can also use it to receive money, kind of like my Venmo account. You can send me money to brad.crypto. You can send me Bitcoin or ETH or any other cryptocurrency. Uh, You're going to be able to send me a message to it. uh, And I'm going to be able to log in with it, kind of like a Facebook login. So what used to be four or five or seven or ten different products in the Web 2 world becomes one thing in the Web 3 world. And the analogy I would give would be uh, iPhone. Like previously you had a phone and you had a camera and you had a GPS device and you had a calculator. And now you just have one thing. Uh, because the technology was able to subsume uh, all these other things. So right now, I have a Venmo account. Uh, right now, I have a domain name. Right now, I have an email address. Uh, right now, I have my uh, you know my Facebook account or all these other different social media accounts. I think in the future you'll kind of have you'll be able to build this one uh, ID, this one reputation, and you'll be able to plug it into lots of apps. So I'll be able to log in and have essentially the same username in hundreds of apps that I'm using. Uh, first example of this is you can send me money to brad.crypto inside of 70 different wallets and exchanges today. Uh, that's very different than a traditional Venmo account where you can only use Venmo. So we don't even need to be using the same app in order to interact. That's like the Web3
2: interoperable version of the future. John's thinking like, okay, so, so I'm just trying walk to think. how can me do that. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, so we get into the, the the topic of interoperability pretty quickly like if we're saying i have one username uh, and we hear this all the time and we've, we've talked to hundreds of projects and they're like yeah yeah we have identity on our blockchain now and and it's like yeah for their chain and and it only works on their chain and and it's like if if i've got this domain i guess where does interoperability come into play here like you know when you've got a dap that's built on different chains how does that all come together
1: So you have two different things. You have where your domain is pointed and then you have where your domain lives. Where your domain lives has to live on one blockchain. That's how the tech works. Mm -hmm. Where your domain is pointed to should point to whatever you want. So my domain name points to a Bitcoin address. So you can send me Bitcoin inside of a Bitcoin app and a Litecoin address and an Ethereum address, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how you get to interoperability. It works inside of any place anytime you see a send field uh where you can send crypto uh it can work theoretically regardless of what uh of what type of crypto you're trying to send um, That's how we get to interoperability. It's by using the domain as a pointer
2: and and where it goes is is something that's built to to work across different chains is what you're saying
1: yeah, and the user the user decides so the user can point. To a, they can point their, they can send their Bitcoin through their domain name to uh, a Bitcoin wallet over here. They can use whatever, you know, whatever wallet they want, and they could be using an Ethereum wallet in a different app and point their Ethereum. So they're just route the domain is just a router uh, for information, and so you can be pointing it to 20 or 50 or 100 different wallets across any chain inside of uh, any app that supports it.
2: Very cool. Got it.
1: And, and it's a super hard problem. I think the biggest problem that we've had with consumer ID has been around getting users excited enough to want to use it. So like Microsoft created this decentralized ID thing like seven years ago. They right. have like, you know, a billion people that use Microsoft, but no one's using their ID thing because why would you? Um, what we figured out, and I think that this is what the traditional domain name world figured out is that, uh People want to to own assets, people want to own digital assets. And so because they have this uh, domain functionality, uh, people want to own them. So we've had 1.3 million domain registrations, more than 100,000 people uh, with domain names. And so that's been the hard part is getting consumers to want it. And this crypto version of it, um, an NFT, uh, has been the thing that has gotten people uh, excited to own them, and that's what's been kind of bootstrapping the bootstrapping the network from there. That's what got the apps excited to support it. So it was it's kind of this chicken or the egg problem. Like you need consumers to have to have them, and therefore want them, and then you need businesses to integrate them to support them. And getting the consumers excited um, was kind of the first hard part, and then the second hard part has been uh, getting apps to integrate it. But now that that flywheel has been going. Now apps want to, because there's so many users with domains and now users want, you know, users keep wanting to buy domains because they work in so many apps. So, um, getting that thing going was the, was the hard part. And I think that's been the part that really hadn't, hadn't happened in the market, uh, prior.
2: It's pretty exciting. I mean, I see your, your domains are like listed on Mintable and things like that, and they're, they're traded. Um, I guess, what are some of the common things you're seeing people use the domains for like functionally speaking versus just you know, owning a, a, a very sexy domain, um, that might be in high, you know, hot demand, but what are they actually building, um, with them?
1: Yeah. I mean, collectible is a, uh, is a factor, uh, even with traditional domains, 90% of them are parked only 10% yep. are, are used. Um, and that's, there's a lot of reasons for that, but, um, a lot of it is that people own more than one, like we have you know people that buy lots of them, um, but, uh, payments, you know, like I mentioned, the this decentralized Venmo uh, use case and uh, and websites. And right now, the most common or most popular website type is um, uh, we have this uh, NFT art gallery, which is kind of like a verified uh, collection. And so I've got one up at grad.crypto right now. You can check it out in uh, Brave browser or Opera browser. Uh, and the way it works is it goes and it looks inside of my wallet and it sees Uh, It it sees the domain is in there, and then it sees what other things that domain owner also owns, and that's what it's populating. Uh, So it's kind of like a verified website where you know that uh, whatever you're seeing is something that I actually own, that the domain owner actually owns. And if I were to sell something, it would disappear. and if I were to buy something, it would pop up. I'm
0: checking out your, your pudgy penguin right now.
1: Yeah, right at the top. So that you can see that was a that was a recent uh relatively relatively recent acquisition. Uh Very also cool. got my deadheads dead also also recent as well.
0: And so that populates in you said in Opera and Brave right now if I just go to brad.crypto but like if I'm in like IE or something else it's not going to populate at this time.
1: Yeah, you would need an extension. Um you would need to use an extension. And the way that we were able to get uh Brave and Opera to support it natively is that uh, they're excited about Web3 and the decentralized web, and they decided to do something which is uh, pretty novel for browsers, which is to read the blockchain to go find website records instead of reading DNS servers. And that's what's actually happening. They're using the blockchain like DNS servers uh, doing lookups on domain names.
2: So what what uh, what would you say if you were talking to someone that's got a successful business with an existing domain? It's not a DAP, and they're they're interested in transitioning more to becoming a DAP. What what advice would you give them?
1: Well, so they don't you know to, to become a DAP. So you know we're typically when when we're talking about DAPs, we're typically talking about things that enable users to do a like connect with your wallet type login. And that's different than launching a, a fully decentralized website. What I would say is, uh, do it when there's a use case. Um, and, and, for domains, the way we see domains right now, they're much, they have a much stronger consumer, uh, consumer identity use case than they do a business replace your traditional.com website use case. Maybe that'll happen in the future um but that's a bit more of a like decentralized amazon web services architecture type thing and that tech is not there uh and it doesn't need to be there for consumers to be able to uh store and permission their own data and control their own identity online so that's that's what we think is the is the superpower for the tech so i would say if you're a business um do create add crypto features as they are useful to your users if you're a consumer uh, building out a, uh, building out a decentralized identity seems like, uh, seems like a useful thing for you to do.
0: And so when, when we're creating each of these, you know, so the dot zil dot crypto dot coin, are we creating, you're creating a wallet as well, or you're connecting with other wallets?
1: Yeah, we don't create a wallet. Uh, what's happening is, is that we, so we just have a suite of smart contracts and they are minting these. Uh, the user claims those to whatever wallet they use, and then you sign a message with your private key that controls the domain name in order to add information to it. And, and so that's, that means that the user is the only one that's able to make updates to the domain. Uh, and so, that's the, so there's kind of two, I guess, two sets of blockchain transactions. There's claim the domain, and then there's make updates to the domain. But no, we're not a we're not a wallet. We're just integrating in with wallets. Uh, we're like a we're we're a username. We're a decentralized username for your wallets.
0: And that's pretty cool, though. It's like you're you're like the authentication process of doing that is something that it's like if you know if people got used to that a little bit more regularly then that would actually like untie I think a lot of like wallet usage and everything. It's like, hey, I'm just gonna like be able to authenticate with this one thing that I'm the only one that has access to that. And then if I remove that, they no longer have that data. It's kind of like the like the OG like dream of like what this is all supposed to be about was like, hey, I'm my own API, right? And you don't, you're not housing my data. I'm housing my data. And if I want to showcase my data on the decentralized Facebook eventually, you know, I can do that.
1: And and you get at, you got at one of the you know one of the coolest one of the coolest pieces of this, uh, which is that when the user controls and permissions their own data, it means that you can have the same experience in every app that you're using. Like right now, Facebook controls my data. Facebook is this silo, and if I leave Facebook, I have to completely rebuild my reputation. I don't have anything. Nothing comes along with me not my pictures, not my friends, not my contacts, no, none of that stuff. I have to go and rebuild all of that. I even have to go rebuild all that stuff when I use Instagram, which they also own. Um, but in this future Web3 world, uh, I'm going to store all that stuff. I'm going to give permission and then I could be using a 100 Facebooks um, because they're just a UI layer now. And that's really what this whole thing is about. We're taking the the, the data layer, the back end, the data storage part, uh, which is really how those companies maintain their monopolies is by being these data storage uh companies uh and turn them just into uis which is what dApps are they're just they're just uis Blockchain's the back end essentially um and so like that's the future i think for most or if not all consumer apps and that's going to create this crazy competition like they're not going to be able to lock us in anymore i can I i can take 10 seconds to go and try another social media app or another payment app or another banking app, or whatever, and that's just going to be uh, amazing for consumers. We're going to have this situation where apps are just going to have to—they're just going to have to to brawl uh, for our love and for our attention, and that's going to be to the consumer's benefit.
0: No, it's it's you're exactly right, and I'm just like having this vision of like imagine. You know, you're like you have a choice between five different social media networks, and instantaneously, if you put your key in, you can actually see what your timeline or see what like maybe that app would look like, right? So you don't have to go and spend. It's like, oh, I got to dedicate how much time to like utilizing this one service, um, and then it's kind of like a race to a race to experience, right? And it's all about the end user experience from them and dedicating all their time to that versus like a traditional app where you spend so much time thinking about data. And how you can like acquire that data and what you're going to do with it once it's there and showcasing it. It's like no, you're just thinking about like users and like the pure performance of that. It's, it's interesting. It's like once you kind of understand that, it's kind of mind blowing.
1: And there's something about it that consumers probably don't fully see yet because I mean, when, when you tell the consumer, hey, you're going to be able to choose from 100 Facebooks, they're like, okay, that sounds you know, pretty good. Maybe <laughs> Facebook won't control everything. That sounds better. But the reason why this is going to just completely blow up and you're just never you're not going to want to do anything other than this is when you control the data, you're the one that monetizes it like Facebook's entire business is they sell details about you to advertisers. If you control it, they don't have that leverage anymore. You have that leverage. So what's going to happen when consumers start getting paid directly for their attention, for their time? Etc. is going to be this massive shift. Like products are going to get cheaper trialing product. You're going to get paid to try products. Uh, You're going to get paid even more. If you are a person who's influential, like all of that kind of stuff is just going to totally blow up. And people are going to be, we talk about this all the time. People are going to be able to monetize their time and their attention online. But like that I think is going to be the superpower of this is when you use, the user controls the data, the user monetizes and, that's why web3 is just going to like every consumer on the planet is going to be using it.
2: It's interesting, it's an interesting discussion and it, it it makes total sense from the standpoint of a consumer. You own your data, you give limited permission when it's absolutely necessary by whatever it is you're using at that given moment. Um and they don't store it. It's interesting cuz I'm in my head I'm thinking about OpenSea as an example and I've been on OpenSea a lot lately and I'm 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 thinking it's like they just had a valuation of like one and a half billion dollars they just raised a hundred million dollars and it's like they don't really own i mean i'm connecting a metabask to use it and they don't really have that data but they have all they have they've kind of a different type of data like um like the demand for those nfts and listing that 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 volume and creating a floor and 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 really creating that kind of visibility around it but i'm curious what your thoughts are around what happens to businesses in this environment when these businesses stop owning the data? um, I mean, there's a lot less things they're going to be able to do in terms of like personalization or um, really creating a a contextual experience to someone potentially. I mean, what are your thoughts? What does a business look at now?
1: Ooh, I think it actually might be the opposite where Mm -hmm. uh, right now we have this adversarial relationship to the data where we don't want to tell you, Tell you Facebook or use some third-party app because you're going to use it to abuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if I share information about my preferences so that you can actually propose the best products to me? Uh, if I trust that I can turn off the data uh, when, if I know that I'm in control of the data, then why not share specific facts about me? Like right now, all of my Facebook ads are done you know, are discovered through spying on you know whatever my searches or whatever my partner's doing or whatever other people on my, you know, that are using the same internet connection as me are doing and all of those other kind of invasive things. What if they just ask me, I can tell them. And then you could show me ads that are far better. You can, you can, you, we can get a lot closer if there's trust. And and I think that the way that that's going to be incentivized, like imagine if, you know, I have some very, you know, I have some very specific, uh, very specific passions like food related, I love Southern food. I'm out in California. There's not a ton of Southern food anymore. It's what I grew up with. So I gotta find all of these interesting ways. If I just told advertisers that, give me the, the tastiest, fanciest, organic Southern food that you can find all over the place, I would be a great customer for them. And if they know that I'm a, I am ai have high propensity to convert, then they can pay me directly to watch those ads. So I think that what we're gonna wind up having is a dramatically, because right now we have inference advertisers spy on you and then assume things about you but in the future we can just if we have this trusted relationship you can just ask me and that's way more effective than uh than than even all of the spying which takes tons and tons and tons of effort uh to be lower quality than just that's what a friend would do right they would just you know they want to get you a gift they would just ask you what you like
2: it's it's interesting though because like take like i mean we've worked for some very large companies in the past and they're like on their sites there's multiple third-party ad servers um not that entity that you're on they're third parties entirely and some of those route through other third parties and and it's like what we're saying is it like i'm, I'm just curious where that whole advertising and analytics um and even crm like how that all transforms um like are, are are they asking for specific things from you? Like, what if it's a random third party that pops up? They're like, "Hey, do you want to give this third party your info?" Versus the, the site that you're on, um, it gets pretty pretty different than where we exist today.
1: And and it, it's gonna it's gonna lead to a radical rebuilding. So I think it's even hard to predict exactly what types of companies and what the final form factor of these companies and what their relationship is going to be uh, is going to be to customers. But I just think that. Uh, fundamentally, there could be a lot better matching between customer and product everywhere in the market. I think that the market is massively inefficient right now. And the, the person that has the information about what the customer will buy is the customer. And the customer is not being incentivized. And there's not experiences being built to get that information out of the customer currently. And when you do that, that can make this massively, massively more efficient thing. And, and I think that that's going to be the that's going to what's going to lead to the snowball effect, what the end state looks like. I know it's going to be awesome for consumers. I don't know exactly how it's going to work for businesses, but I'm not worried about them because businesses can charge for products. We're already seeing this like data uh, you know, emails, email service providers that don't spy on you and they charge five bucks, you know, five bucks a month. Like we're already starting to see this new wave of uh, ch- just make your costs up front. And I think, I think consumers are going to be fine with that. I mean, you need to have awesome products. Like maybe, you know, you, you can be less lazy. You can't just be a monopoly extracting money anymore. You need to keep making your product more and more awesome each year, but that's also a good thing. Um, so I I just don't see how this doesn't create multiple virtuous circles, uh, cycles, I'm not really sure what the end state actually looks like though.
0: I think for like businesses, it's like, you know, maybe some of the older businesses, it's like, they don't move as quick right? Obviously, because they're like, they're just holding on as long as humanly possible to this like model that they have. But I think it's like, if you look at the long game, it's like all of the new companies, especially in our space, like we're talking about DAOs, right? Like they're orienting their business model to capture value in this way. Right. And so it's like, you know, and what we've seen, it's like, you know, to call out like looking at some like products that are like, you know, growing so rapidly. I just saw someone post like Solana is the like the largest, your fastest growing, like series a, like 18 months or whatever that it was for like anything. And it's like these businesses, because they have, you know, 4 billion people in that market versus, you know, potentially a smaller marketplace somewhere in an individual country, this could happen quick because of how fast these businesses are being built. Right. So there could be a much faster disruption to this business model than maybe people are thinking is going to happen. Right. They don't think that someone's going to unseat, Google, right? They don't think someone's going to unseat, you know, I think hardware probably takes a little bit longer with like an Apple or something like that. But it's like, for these kind of like mid-sized businesses, it's like, you're right. Like I easily would just give them the data. Be like, Hey, I'm into soccer and uh, surfing and running. Like that's literally all I want to see ads for. Right. And it's like, I would easily give that no questions asked. And that's the stuff that the shit that I'm going to buy. Right. Not all this other stuff versus like, you know, how you're right. How much time and effort Did it take to like triangulate that i like soccer (laughs) like how much time and effort when they could i could have just like pressed this button right and so i don't know maybe there's efficiencies there that they find that allows them to create more margin versus paying all these data companies like you know oracle to go you know strip the personalization personalized data or the you know off of like facebook lists or something like that
1: and maybe one other trend that's happening that's just kind of going along with this is that the way that these data monopoly companies are operating now uh, is under threat. Like they are getting legal pressure from EU and from US around the way that they're not protecting consumers. And we have a technology solution, which is put the user in control. Like we, the crypto community have an actual technology remedy uh, to this problem. But part of the reason why I think that they're more vulnerable than other people think they are is because there's also uh, an, there's also a, uh, a push against their business model on essentially consumer protection grounds. And and so they're going to be forced to, to change a little bit. You're already seeing it. Uh, I think, you know, Twitter just add paid follow paid follows. Uh, I think that's super interesting. The fact that, uh, you know, a traditional social media company realizes that direct transactions uh, might actually be a healthier incentive in some ways for members of their community. So we're already seeing those ad business models uh, shifting just inside of the existing players. Uh, and yeah, if we, if we unleash this tidal wave of interoperability, we're going to, we're just going to have crazy competition everywhere, uh, which is, which is really good. But yeah. And, and the other thing that you called out, which is that maybe even these new crypto business models will also be more vulnerable to, uh, to quick innovation and change. Like maybe they will need to be more nimble than, Uh, the previous web two companies and that's also good like the pattern right now is you know you build into a massive massive gargantuan company over 10 years and then you just buy or kill every potential company that does anything close to you and like that's not good for consumers right it's great for it's great for the execs of those companies but it's certainly not good for us um so i don't think that's necessarily like a hopefully that's a relic of the past and then we building web3 businesses have to keep innovating in order to in order to uh to win so i hope that's the future
2: it's interesting because we 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 pick on the big ones we pick on google facebook and twitter uh, a few others right um but why are they big because small and medium-sized businesses use them to generate volume which generates leads which which makes those small and medium-sized businesses own user data and that trickles all the way up to these central players. And, and it's like, what we're saying is, we, like, it's not just picking on Google, it's literally transforming the opinion um, of small and medium-sized businesses as to how they should function on the internet. Um, which I find pretty interesting because maybe there's other opportunities there. Like take, for example, a, a restaurant that might be buying uh, ads on Google AdWords, as an example, to, to drum up some business so that those customers hopefully make a reservation. And now that reservations owned by open table and they have your data, um, there may be a more direct way to do that um cutting out open table, cutting out those insane expenses to the restaurant um, and you have a direct relationship with the restaurant um, but then does the restaurant have your data? does the restaurant even need your data or do they just need to know what you like? That's so it gets thing. interesting
1: yeah, that's the thing is that in this world you can control like you can be anonymized, you can say you know I am from this country with these preferences over this age, but you don't have to, I don't have to tell you who I am. I don't actually have to, but I, I can give you confidence. I can give you verified information about me without actually having to give you the information itself. So uh, you can totally have this world where uh, it's criteria and not the actual user that's being exposed.
2: To- totally, it's like, it's like going to a bar. Do they really need to see your home address on your license to know that you're 21 years old? <laughs> Right? Like, it's crazy. Do they even need
0: to know anything outside of are you 21? Yes or no? At least the US here, right? That's literally the only thing they need to know. They didn't need to know how old you are. They just need to know one piece of information and that's it.
1: That's a great example because that right there trickles across the entire internet everywhere where an app only needed one or two things about you in order to provide you a service, they're collecting 20 or a hundred things. So like that right there is just a perfect example of what's wrong with the internet today.
0: And it's like, think about like searching. So it's like, if I'm on Google and it's like, say I'm trying, you know, to understand, you know, some historical fact or something, because I was like, oh, I want to start reading about this thing that happened, whatever, a long time ago. And on the way to that journey, I'm like inundated with like, come eat at Wendy's. Come do this thing, come buy this thing. It's like, whoa, like in, in the in the world of like I'm already so inundated with so many different things and I'm distracted. It's like, that's not the experience that I wanted. I wanted to like go deeper down this thing that I was interested in. Right. Or it's like if I'm if I'm trying to understand a news, you know, something that happened out in the news and it's like on the way there, it's like, buy these spare shoes. You know, no offense to these companies. I'm just making shit up. But it's like, it's like that experience is actually horrid, right? And it's like I'm just thinking, like, you know. 20 years in the future, all of these people that are going to be using, utilizing a decentralized internet. And they're like, man, you guys must have like not been able to focus at all. Like you're just inundated. Right. It's like when I want to go eat, then like maybe I can go search for now hit me with the ads because I'm ready to go eat. Now I want to know if this, this, or like, Hey, I'm going to look for shoes because I actually need shoes right now. Right. And so it's like, now I'm getting hit with these things. So I don't know. There's, there's like a more beautiful internet out there. And you know, that I think we can all, agree is going to be better. And it's like if these larger companies start to orient themselves now, like they're not going to miss a step because they have the ability to go and create these things probably, you know, maybe much faster on a more, you know, larger with a lar- larger audience than maybe some of us as the smaller companies can.
1: Yeah. And what if you had some sort of a personal health tracker and you controlled the data and it was able to monitor that you were getting hungry. And then, you know, because like I have this problem where I work all day and then at the end of the day, I, I'm super hungry and I, and I haven't thought about it yet. So like now I need to go make myself some food or order or whatever. And every single day this happens to me where I finish and I'm hungry and food isn't there yet. I have to go work on it. But you know, maybe there was, maybe there'd be a health tracking app where I control the data and it's like, and it's like, Hey, you're getting a little, you're getting a little hungry, you know, here are a few few good choices for today. Like, you know, I'm, I'm spending every night, like my, my wallet's open. I'm ready. I'm ready for somebody to sell me something in that moment, but there's no, and I would never hand over that data to one of these giant companies right now. That sounds terrifying. they are going to know every single detail of my, you know, my biology. So we don't have the relationship to enable that experience today uh, with the companies we're working with.
0: We can like uh, this is like the rabbit hole that I would love to just keep going down I mean I, I did want a couple of things about unstoppable I mean like some of the just like a fun one like some of these domains that you guys have like .zill, dot wallet dot x dot888 like is there anything like specific that folks are are starting on each of these kind of like you know extensions
1: yeah so I think that the the goal was to try to tap into a few different a uh, few different communities and use cases um, so we have dot nft. Uh, you can tell kind of what you know who, who that's, for. that's yeah. for uh largely for the artist community we're starting to see a lot of people building galleries using that uh, dot wallet was meant to be uh, kind of a, a generalized tool for for payments uh, We had dot crypto as you know kind of our, our first our first big one, uh, okay. but a lot of people uh, especially people who are just thinking about payments around the world don't associate with crypto specifically um, they just wanna know that they're sending money. Maybe they're sending stable coins. Maybe the crypto part is abstracted. Um, so that .Wallet is for, is for them. Uh, those are a few categories. eight 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 is an interesting one. In the traditional domain world, I believe 888.com is seen as the second most valuable domain name, x.com okay. is the first. And, okay. and, and part of the reason why 888 is such a big deal is it, it's essentially, it's a little bit of like a word play, but it essentially means like a, like good luck. Um, in Chinese, and it is a very common uh, New Year's, you know, like New Year's wish, uh, and has kind of taken on this meme-like status where things associated with eights uh, are extremely uh, valuable and important, from gambling to domain names, all of these different things. Uh, so that was the idea behind uh, behind eight. probably less you know, p- people in U.S. might have slightly less context there, but it's quite a big deal. Uh, quite a big deal around the world. Uh, and then .dot x, you know, the idea is is that uh, simpler is better. And something that has not been possible in the traditional domain world is one character uh, one character endings. They only allow three character endings, and then some countries are able to have two character endings, uh, but no one gets a one character ending. And so. We thought that that was going to be something that people would be able to. It uh, would just be simpler, uh, simpler and easier for the world. So, some uh, some reasons why we made some of those uh, some of those choices. Also, got that Um I uh, alluding to the kind of what happened with the you know, what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation. But uh, I think that one is going to get a lot more attention when when the Dow means you know narrative becomes mainstream. And I'm bet that's going to happen sometime in 2022. That's my that's my current bet.
0: Okay. That's, that's your, like, what's the headline, what's the crypto headline going to be, you know, in like Q3 of 2022, and it's going to be all about DAOs? Yeah,
1: 2020 was, uh, was DeFi. Uh, 2021 was NFTs, and I think 2022 is going to be DAOs.
2: Is it, is it possible to do a subdomain on some of these?
1: Yeah, you can do subdomains. Uh, There, there's some... There are a lot of extra hidden risks with subdomains, particularly around people scamming. Um, so you don't want to have a subdomain owner be able to go and act completely independent of the regular domain owner. It's better to just, if, if that subdomain owner wanted to be independent, it's better to just get them a domain too. Um, so that's kind of a, that's the reason why you probably won't see quite as many subdomains in our, uh, in our ecosystem as you would elsewhere. Where we can just give everybody a domain.
2: And are are .dot and .dot crypto are those uh, no longer for sale?
1: Um, everything's for sale. Yeah, there there's ten TLDs. They're all active, et cetera.
2: Oh, I think it, just- it's uh, on the homepage. They're grayed out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's just a weird. That's a weird UI choice, I think, by us. I think we're. Just, <laughs> you're, 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 I, think, I think you're not the first person to say that. So I think we're going to. Did uh, uh, that? They are all active and live and available. You can just search. You can check out. You pay by uh, pay with crypto. Pay with credit card. Pay with PayPal. Uh, we want to be this kind of easy onboarding point to the decentralized web. So a lot of the choices we've made uh, are around trying to make it super easy for anybody to for anybody to use. You can even store a domain inside of a like inside of an exchange if you want to, inside of Gemini Exchange, if you worry about losing your keys. You know, no matter how much most of the, you know, most of my friends, you know, believe in, you know, we believe in, you know, not your keys, not your crypto. I think most of us also store a lot, uh, a lot in in exchanges because we also don't want to lose it. Um, and I think the same is gonna be true for NFTs. So that's been a real kind of user experience challenge that nfts have had uh relative to crypto itself uh because crypto has had custodians uh that are reliable for for many many years and uh nfts not yet really
0: you bring up that's a really good point and it's like it's a transition right it's like getting getting people you know understanding you know that hey you know it's it's tough to say to someone like hey you have all these accounts they're fdic insured you know like your money is secure, especially if you're holding in cash. And then you're trying to convert that person, you know, into a user of crypto and you're like, Hey, yeah, memorize this like 12 word thing or this private key thing, and then put it in this browser and this browser only, you know, and they're like, well, I can't just get it on my other computer. You know? So it's like, it's, it's going to be like a transition there of getting like, you know, kind of moving over. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing to have compatibility across some of that to start, because that's how you bring people in right? Like, it's just a progression to bring new people into the industry is like, hey, you got to kind of go where people feel comfortable. And they kind of lead them towards where you know, we're what we're talking about with like their data, and then they're going to get used to that. But it's a progression, it doesn't happen overnight.
1: And it doesn't need to, Um, you know, we're gonna, there's going to be many, many steps as we decentralize the web. And it's going to take decades. Um, You know, it took it took decades to build the infrastructure that we're currently using, it's going to take decades to uh, to improve it, to get all the way there. But uh, as long as we're moving towards this concept of digital assets, of assets on blockchains, as long as that's becoming more prevalent in people's lives year over year, um, then I think we're, we're going in the right direction.
0: Yeah. And these, so some of these like templates, you know, like even one of the, the line items on there was just like, use our templates to become part of like the decentralized internet. Right, like that's kind of what you guys are are telling everyone, and so it's like, you know, it's like if there's a beginner, someone that's just coming in that like maybe knows crypto a little bit, like what is the best way for them to kind of get started, um, and like what's like a, a really simple use case for someone that's just trying to understand, like you know, hey, I want I want to buy I want to buy as you know, dot crypto, and I want to use use that as like my new wallet.
1: Yeah, you just uh, you just go and search. It works kind of like a GoDaddy. You can check out with crypto or with credit card. So that part is also super easy. Uh, you claim to your wallet. That's the crypto part that maybe is slightly weirder than um, than a Web2 app, but totally doable, no more complicated than using OpenSea or anything like that. And, uh, and then there's like a pretty simple interface where you can add your crypto addresses and then you're set up. Uh, and once you're set up, you can tell your friends, hey, send me money uh, to this domain name. So like right now, You could send me money to brad.crypto. I don't need to uh, go and ask what your email address is and copy and paste the address and send it to you and have you copy and paste it and hope that nothing went wrong. Um, So not only is it decreasing this complexity, but it's also uh, increasing your assurance that you're sending to the right address. This address, you have some sort of verification. Uh, We even have this feature where you can attach your Twitter handle to your domain name if you want to. And we use a chain link uh a chain link oracle to do it and so what winds up happening is is that i can i can type in you can type in someone's domain name and you can see the twitter handle and then you can verify that you're you're sending to the right person this is much closer to how web 2 works now the user is totally in control so if you don't want to attach your twitter handle you don't have to if you want to attach a uh a pseudo anonymous uh twitter handle you can do that like you have you the user are in complete control uh, but the idea is, is that we think the way this is going to go is you're going to have some sort of verification. You're not going to be sending money to a dark void like you do right now in crypto. That's just that's not going to be the way that uh, crypto payments go mainstream. And even crypto users don't use crypto a lot for payments within the community right now. And I think one of the one of the barriers there. Uh, is, is this identity piece, which totally works with Venmo. When I, I can see your picture, I can see a social media handle, I can feel confident that I'm sending money to the right person before I've sent it. Doesn't exist yet in crypto. That's one of the key things that's missing. And that's a super easy thing for you to do as a new user. You can just try it out and, and it'll make more sense to you. It'll probably make more sense to you than uh, the way that it works right now for sending crypto payments.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And it's, because it, it's just so simple. And like you're saying, you know, grabbing someone's address, and then it's like, you know, especially if you need to send a large sum of money, um, you know, you do a little test deposit, right? Or like maybe do te- two deposits. And It's like, you know, it's getting there, right? It's like, especially if you do it correctly, it's like, well, if I type this incorrectly and it doesn't get there. It means that there's a much bigger problem going on, right? But you still do it. Because you're like, holy crap! Like, you know, is this? I I don't like, you know. Even though I've done it thousands of times, and like, you know, you buy little things and do whatever. It's still like there's still a scariness to it, especially like when we talk about interoperability and using like a bridge, right? And bridging something, you know, from an Ethereum to like a Terra or Ethereum to a BSC. It's like now you're talking like a couple of minutes, you know, of sending something like you said into a smart contract that like you know maybe you didn't use, you haven't used prior. That's something that it's like, unless you're kind of like really deep down into the industry, like you're just definitely not doing right. And so it's like, if you want to buy an NFT on this other network, how do I get something over there? Oh, I got to go. What if I don't want to go KYC on an exchange and buy that over there? I got to move it. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing, but like you're saying, I I completely agree with you. It's like to think about our average everyday user five years from now, like copying and pasting a long address and putting in like that just can't be the solve. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, and it's
1: scary, and that's the thing that that's actually the thing that users say about uh, domains is that it uh, it makes the crypto payments less scary.
0: Yeah. Well, cool, man. We're coming up on the uh, on the hour here. Um, you know, I don't know if we got we had one we had like one question in here um, from Bernard. So exactly what I've been looking for. Uh, no, he just said this is exactly what he's been looking for. Uh, <laughs> there's a question about eliminating scammers but Bernard not sure I quite understand what you're asking there so you might have to send us a dm on that one um but cool man no Brad dude really appreciate you coming on and and telling us a little bit about unstoppable I mean I've been following you guys for a while you guys are killing it congrats on all the success man um you know really excited for what you guys are building and you know the just the your thought process on the entire industry in, in general it's great to have you be a part of the industry so you're the man appreciate it Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Cool. Thanks, Brad. As always, it's a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll also be uploading this to Anchor Podcast, which goes to Google and Apple and all the others. So you'll be hearing from Brad on there as well. Cheers, everyone.